Hey family, I'm so glad you got a chance to see what God is doing through your generosity. Outcast Academy is one of our favorite partners. It, it really brings young people um, out of, 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 of neighborhoods that maybe don't have creative avenues for them to express themselves and teaches them dance and other things, but it's also a discipleship organization where kids are actually invested into young people. And I really believe this is important. If you're watching for the very first time or you didn't uh, tune into our Easter service, we talked last week about an organization, a place called Home, that also helps young people. And to give you an idea, these specific areas are very underserved. Uh, The education isn't great in those areas. So even a place like a place called Home has... Uh, the, the area of that graduation rate, the, in that area, it's like 50 or 60% of the kids in that area graduating from high school. But if they're a part of a place called home, it jumps up all the way to almost 90%. Think about the increase on what an organization like that does. And Outcast Academy is no different. Serving youth, building up the next generation. No matter how much we worship God, y'all, uh, and no matter how much we take hold of the promises God has for us, Joshua uh, was about going to the promised land, and the first verse of Judges is a whole generation came up that didn't know the Lord. So it doesn't matter how much we worship if we don't invest into the next generation and they grow up to not know his heart and his love for them. And so your acts of generosity through giving in this offering that we're about to have is so important. I'm so grateful for Outcast Academy and all that they do and would love to be able to partner with them this year like never before. So as you give right now and prepare your offering, just know that our church has a concerted effort specifically in South Central LA and South LA where very few churches are currently serving. We wanna bring the love of God to those areas. So as you prepare your offering right now, just know it is going to these organizations, it is going to these young people, and I would love to be able to bless Outcast Academy with a special offering this week because of your generosity. And so maybe you're giving for the first time. We've been challenging everyone this year not to give nothing. Give something. Participate in what God is doing. If you're watching online, start small, but start somewhere. If we all do our part, God can use it together to bring multiplication and blessing to the community that we're all called to serve together. So thank you for your generosity. And as always, we're going to pray for both the gift and the giver. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we are asking for you to continue to reveal your generosity to us because wherever we are walking, whenever we are walking in the generosity of God and the revelation of the generosity of God, we can respond with our own generosity being led by the Spirit. So bless both the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. You can jump over to oasisla.org forward slash give at any time and and bless someone um, through your giving. So thank you so much. We are in a series called Family Values. We took a break from that series for the last couple of weeks. We had Pastor Michael Murphy here, who I really wanted you to hear from. And then, of course, we had Easter Sunday, which is all about the resurrection. Praise God. Hopefully, some of you feel resurrected. I feel resurrected. Adeline feels resurrected. Sweet little (laughs) young girl in the room. And today, specifically, and I don't know how long we're going to be in this series, but I got some news. feel like we're going to be in this series a long time. Because this week, we've done We Give give Together, right? We've done We Give Together. We did, what else did we do? We did two weeks of We Give Together. We We did We Eat Together. Come on, Colton Townley. That was fire. Like, that was, Colton crushed it. Uh, So Sherry did two weeks of that. So we're four weeks in. Sherry did one, Colton did one, and I did We Give Together. And now we're on We Worship Together. Now here's what's crazy. 
It's not about how long we're in a series. We're not here to be cool. We're here to just like really, but so just be, be with me. But I feel like we're going to have about seven or eight weeks of we worship together. Because if we don't get worship right, we get nothing right. And so I don't want to skip through this. And God told me we're going to be in this series is until he tells me that we're out of it. And it could be the whole year. It could be the next five years. But these are going to be some good sermons. And here's why. Uh, the next seven to eight weeks is going to be about worship. Because in the Old Testament, there was this place that God had the Israelites build called the tabernacle. And it was a mobile sanctuary. Literally, it was rules on how to transport the presence of God from one place to the next. Later, Solomon would build the temple, which is a permanent place. Um, But then in the, that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, believers are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so the New Testament ultimately combines the concept of the temple, something permanent, and the concept of the tabernacle, something that can be transported. So if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that means that we cannot come to church on Sundays and that's the only place God is. We come to church to be... uh, uh, unified together as a temple. And when we leave church, we become a tabernacle. We transport the presence of the Lord. This is Father in heaven. I'm just going to pray right now because I'm already, I could just be done right now and you're blessed. I'm going to close this binder and take my butt home because that was fire. Did you hear what I just said? I said, I will, Jessica. I'll say it again. I'm turning Jessica into an old black woman. She's like, say it again, pastor. Say it again. Tell him again. Did you hear what I just said to you? I felt that in my spirit. Solomon built the temple. Moses built the tabernacle. And everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus and what his will is. And so the tabernacle, which is eight main furniture pieces in the tabernacle, and that's what we're going to go over the next eight weeks, is eight main things about the tabernacle. The tabernacle transported the presence of God. The temple was a stationary place where people encountered the the presence of God. So to use that analogy, we are temples. We are tabernacles. Here at Oasis Church or here online is the temple. It's a fixed place where you can encounter God. But unless we become a tabernacle, now where was the tabernacle built? The tabernacle was the only place the tabernacle existed was in the wilderness. What is the wilderness? The place in between slavery and promise. So if you're free and you gave your life to Jesus, you immediately go into the wilderness. The wilderness is not a sign that God is mad. The wilderness is a sign that God is pleased and he has endorsed you. Watch this. I'm already preaching. Jesus got water baptized, and the Lord said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit shows up, read it in Luke chapter three, the Holy Spirit shows up in Luke chapter four, and it says Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So then Jesus, just like you and I, was led into the wilderness to be tempted. His wilderness season came in between God being pleased and his purpose on earth. And so the tabernacle, the, the ability to transport the presence of God is a calling for believers. And unless we understand what the Old Testament tabernacle was, we cannot worship together. Wow. We will always come up short with what worship is. 
And so I believe if you're going to go into entertainment, if you're going to go into uh, business, if you're going to go into politics, if you're going to go into education, if you're going to go into ministry, you are a transportive device for the glory of the Lord. You are a tabernacle. You need to be able to pack up God and move him from place to place. This is, I'm about to go home again. But I got a lot of stuff I want to say. So there are, you got to get this. It was a portable sanctuary. And unless God can be on the move, we cannot worship him in a place. We have to be able to worship him everywhere. So there are eight main things that the, that eight main parts, there's a lot of parts that went into the tabernacle all the way down from the color of the thread and the curtains. But this would be an 18,000 week series if I did a week on every little thing. But I wanted to just tell you that over the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about eight parts of the tabernacle that I believe if we get revelation about this, when I say we worship together, we will really worship together. The first main part of the tabernacle, which is what we will talk about today, is the gate. The gate. The gate. Jesus later would say he was the gate. Or the door. And we often say that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Who is the thief? Growing up, we said the thief is the devil. That's in John 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And every time I've ever asked anybody who's the thief, they say the devil. Six chapters or six or seven chapters or verses earlier, Jesus would say anyone who does not come through the gate is a thief or a robber. So it's not just the devil. It's anybody who didn't get to you through Jesus. They are there to take something from you. So if your boyfriend or your girlfriend didn't come through Jesus, they are there to take something from you. This is like so profound. So the gate is profoundly important. The second is the courtyard. The third is the brass altar. Somebody just said, what's the brass altar? You got to tune in for week three. (laughs) Week four, the brass lever. The table of showbread. So the the gate, just to go, go over it, represents thanksgiving. The courtyard represents praise. The brass altar, confession or sacrifice or judgment and forgiveness of sin. The brass lever, cleansing. This is where the priest would wash their hands. The table of showbread was called the bread of the presence or the bread of the face. This represents God's covenant relationship with you and I. The golden candlestick was the light. We're the light of the world. The altar of incense represented prayer and intercession. And the holy of holies represented the true place of worship where only the priest can encounter the full manifest presence of God. Why is this important? No one could go into the holy of holies, which was behind the veil, Without thanksgiving, praise, forgiveness of sins, cleansing, understanding the covenant relation with God, being a light, praying, and then once in their life, the priest, the high priest could go behind the veil and encounter God. One time in their life is what we can do every day. When when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil was ripped in half, giving us access to the holy of holies. But that doesn't mean that that access does not have rules. Can I tell you that a relationship with Jesus has no rules? The only rule it has is to confess with your mouth and in your heart that Christ is Lord and you will be saved. But glory, the goodness of God has rules. So if you want a relationship with Jesus, don't follow the rules. But if you want the glory, the goodness of God to manifest in your life, you better discover the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
even when you're driving, break the rules, driving, people die. Right. Wow. It's not just wow. everything that's good has rules that if not followed, it can kill you. I love to get in my car and drive down here. Walking has no rules. But if I walk down here to the church, it's going to take me a long time because there's no rules. I can walk as slow as I want. It's fast. But if I drive, I can get here quicker, but there's a lot more rules to keep me safe. If you are in a season of acceleration, there's going to be a lot more rules. Listen, man, I'm about to close it three times, Brianna. So this today, out of all those eight things, we're going to talk about the gate. Psalm 100 says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Not just people. Do you know the earth is making a joyful noise in the realm? In the realm that you don't even hear? All of creation worships God. The Bible says creation's waiting for the sons and daughters to be revealed. Do you know that when Christ comes and, 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 and we discover who is really a son or a daughter of God, the Bible says a cloud will clap and worship. All of creation awaits for the sons and daughters to be revealed. So it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence singing. So do we need a worship leader to help us sing? We come in singing. Yeah. We, we, we don't, worship was not about leading. Worship was about leaving. We left something in the presence. We came in doing what now, whoa. <laughs> we come in doing, almost not, this, this mess is so fire. This just jumped off. I didn't even touch it. I didn't touch it. It just jumped off. Somebody's like, I watched it online. You did touch it. I saw your hand. Just trying to make it over spiritual. But we should come in with a praise. Yeah. It says, know that the Lord is God. He is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and sheep of his pasture. And now it begins to bring up a tabernacle rule in verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is give thanks to his name and bless him. What does this mean, church? What does this mean, family? So... When any person would visit the tabernacle, when they were approaching the gate, they would be approaching it thinking about what they're thankful for. So let's just say the front of our church is a gate and a door. We don't approach it wondering who's preaching. We don't approach that gate wondering what God's going to do. We don't approach that gate maybe even excited. That's great. I'm glad you're excited. But we approach that gate with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The word picture would be that if the price of admission to the presence of God is a thankful heart. And, and here's what's crazy. This is what you have to understand about the rules of the tabernacle. The gate, thanksgiving, all of Israel came through. The courtyard, praise, all of Israel had access to. The brass altar, the confession, the sacrifice, the forgiveness of sin, all of Israel would have brought an animal to that place. The brass lever, which is the cleansing, now you don't have only the priests. The table of showbread, bread of the presence, only the priests. The light, the candlestick, only the priests. The altar of incense, intercession, prayer, only the priests. The holy of holies, only the high priest, one time in his life. So the first three are church members in the Old Testament, thanksgiving, praise, and forgiveness of sin. 
Four, five, six, seven, and eight. Cleansing, covenant relationship, the light of the Lord, prayer, and worship were reserved for priests. So a, a relationship with Jesus turned you from a church member to a priest. If you don't understand that it was God's original plan, not that you would have a pastor, but that you would be a pastor. That doesn't, not that you would have a priest, but that you would be a priest. Called to priest and pastor in the spaces of influence as a portable tabernacle, a carrier of God's presence. That's why the Bible says the hope of glory, the hope of God's goodness is Christ in you. The portable tabernacle that everywhere you go, the presence of the Lord is. Why is this important? Because it would suggest that the true qualification of every believer isn't even righteousness. It's thanksgiving, praise, and forgiveness for, what you, for the areas of righteousness you failed in. So you have to be living in gratitude, praising God, and walking in the forgiveness of your sin. That is the entry-level qualification of being a Christian. As you move forward, you want to be cleansed of those sins. You want the relationship with God, the bread of the face, the bread of the presence. You want to understand the light of Jesus and what it means to be a light. You want to pray with intercession and make petitions to God. And then you want to enter into the glory where only uh, uh, the, the high priest could enter into once in their lives. Glory meaning the goodness of God flowing throughout your life. It says that you have to enter the gate with thanksgiving. Everything with the presence of God starts with gratitude. Followers of God in the Old Testament believe gratitude was the only way to enjoy life. Gratitude was a huge part of most events, celebrations, and customs. I want to say that again. They literally thought without gratitude, they cannot enjoy life. If you do not enjoy your life, it's not because God hasn't done something you want him to do. It's because you're not grateful for what he's already done. Fourth time. I feel like going home. Can I repeat that? If you, I don't know what I said, but I'll I'll rephrase it again. I'm not going to repeat it, but I'm just going to say it again in the same context. If you do not find life joyful, it's not because you're waiting on something that you want God to do. It's because you're not grateful for something God has already done. The Old Testament Jewish culture has missed Jesus, missed that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're still walking in blessing because everything that they worship is what God did. They're still awaiting something that's already happened. And most of these people are walking in more blessing than you and I because they still thank God for something he did 3,000 years ago. All of these celebrations are about what God did in Egypt. All of these celebrations are about what God did. The, the, the October... The day that Christina and I took over the church, October 13th, that day was to honor the Feast of Booze. It was literally the same day to honor when they had to live with God's presence in the wilderness with the tabernacle as their worship. So it was almost as if God was saying a message to Christina and I that you're to build a church that is portable, not that is stationary. We literally got ordained as lead pastors on a day to celebrate the time where the presence of the Lord was mobile, not stationary. Four months later, we couldn't go to the stationary place to worship 
And the presence of God had to be portable in our homes, at our workplaces. I feel like preaching, Brianna. I'm about to throw this binder across the room. I'm literally getting excited. Like, hey, this is, you know, when a kid gets excited, they start swiping. Did you hear what I just said? We were ordained as lead pastors on the day where they celebrated that God was portable in the wilderness. And four months later, the stationary place of worship got closed, but the portable tabernacle was wide open. We worshiped God for two straight years and the presence had to be portable. So yes, I was excited that Easter Sunday was the first Sunday that I got to be in person in two years, but I'm also excited that we were a tabernacle for two straight years. God was portable in every single space and in order to enter the portable tabernacle you can come to this tabernacle i mean this temple with all your complaining we say all this time come as you are come as you are you can come in person to oasis church as you are you can be broken you can be hurting you can be angry you can come in here cussing you can do, we accept you just as you are. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is. We accept you just as you are when you come through the, the permanent sanctuary, but the portable sanctuary. If you want God to move in your job, if you want God to move in your family, if you want God to move in everywhere you go, that tabernacle has rules. And the very first rule is gratitude. If you can come in here ungrateful, but you cannot transport the presence of God ungrateful. And in order for us to fulfill the calling of our lives, we have to be able to transport the presence of the Lord. And how you transport the presence of the Lord is entering the gate with thanksgiving. This is so incredibly powerful. I want you to write this down. Or Psalm 35, 18 says this, I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng, I will praise you. It is not true that God does not want a lot of people to gather. That's not true. Uh, we don't need to only have house churches. We don't need to only have small groups. It is, I will thank you in the great congregation. But notice it doesn't say crowd. It says congregation. Congregation is a crowd who is gathered to thank God. A crowd, this is so good. I want you to write this down. A room full of ungrateful people is a crowd. A room full of grateful people is a congregation. So gratitude turns a crowd to a congregation. And ingratitude and being ungrateful turns a congregation to a crowd. So that's why God shrinks crowds and grows congregations. I feel like preaching up in here. If the church is getting smaller, it's because he wants to shrink a crowd. God always wants to grow a congregation. A congregation does not have spectators. It has participators. We come in worshiping. We enter the gates with thanksgiving. This is good preaching. You want to be a minister? You want to be in full-time ministry? First Chronicles 16.4 says this, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord to invoke and ask God for his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord. That's it. It wasn't to do anything other than ask God to bless people, be thankful, and praise God. Like, that's it. So what qualifies me to be a great minister is I ask God to bless me, I'm thankful, and I praise God. That's the first qualification. As soon as I'm ungrateful, I'm disqualified. That's it. 
A room full of ungrateful people is a crowd. A room full of grateful people is a congregation. Can I read something else to you? Yes. Isaiah 38, verse 18. For Sheol, and the New Testament would say Hades. Sheol and Hades is the realm of the dead. I don't ever want to go there. Realm of the dead sounds like hell. For Sheol cannot thank you. There's no gratitude in hell. Ooh, this is a good sermon. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. Hell cannot thank you. Psalms 89 verse 5 says, let the heavens praise your wonders. Wait a minute. So hell cannot be grateful. People going to hell cannot be grateful. No one in hell is grateful. No devil worshiper is grateful. You will never see a devil worshiper express gratitude. There is no gratitude in hell, but the heavens praise your wonders. Write this down. Heaven is thankful. Hell is entitled. Heaven is thankful. Hell is entitled. The devil thought he was entitled to the praise that was supposed to go to God. So how the devil got kicked out of heaven was he thought he was entitled. He thought it was about him. Here's the crazy thing. We love to talk about hell to culture, but Jesus seemed to talk about hell to his disciples, to his spiritual leaders. When Peter said something, he said, get behind me, Satan. Never once called the sinner Satan. He called his pastor Satan. Then later, his pastors went out and they were delivering people of demons and they came back and the Bible said that they bragged about being able to cast out demons and Jesus brought up hell. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I want you to understand that the moment that they thought they were entitled and they weren't thankful for what God was doing, God brought up the devil. This is amazing. Think about, this is amazing. Think about how many people we had on Easter. Oh my God, Easter Sunday was amazing. We had 5,000 people. God was moving. It was awesome. Jesus would might say to me, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Oh, shoot. Lord, I just, we thought we were talking about what God is doing. No, but the context that you were talking about it was about what you did. Not about what I did. Heaven is thankful. Hell is entitled. In a season where I believe people are going to experience lack if they're living outside of the kingdom, and if they're living inside of the kingdom, they're going to experience increase. If you up and the kingdom has rules, so there is a part of Christianity that doesn't have any rules. Love has no rules. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 23 through 20, as it goes through all of the fruits of the spirit, love, peace, pay, against these things, there is no law. There is no law when it comes to how much God can love you. But, but glory, the goodness of God has rules. And one of those rules is gratitude. I believe that you, if you are living under the rulership, when we say we praise and worship the king, that means we are under his rulership. The definition of rulership is someone who makes up the rules. You cannot have Jesus as your savior and make up the rules and think that you're going to walk in the blessings of God. It can't happen. Rulership means he makes the rules. So when people ask you, what is your stance on on sexuality? What is your stance on this? What is your stance on that? You can just simply say, I don't make the rules. You need to go to the person who makes the rules. I don't have a stance because I don't make the rules. God's word is not to take a stance on it. 
It's not to take a stance. We don't take a stand on rules. We stand in faith. We don't stand on rules. We stand on faith because the rules are not, it's the relationship that we stand in. When we break the rules, there's grace and forgiveness, but we don't make the rules. Here's the thing. You are better off getting grace for breaking a rule than trying to get grace for making a rule. You can't make it up. There's no grace for making it up. You can't tell God what's good and, and bad. You, 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 it's almost like you have to be humble enough to say, Lord, give me grace because I broke the rule. But pride is, I don't want grace for breaking the rule. I'm going to make the rule. So then that way, every rule I make are ones that I follow. That's why people that don't want to honor God's word about what it says in marriage and sex make up their own rules. Pastors who don't want to honor God's word about leadership make up their own rules. We can have interns and everybody's working for us and worship leaders on platform thinking about what the pastor wants and the pastor, when the Bible clearly says, don't lord over your people. The Bible clearly says that. And most people, if they go against their pastor, they're going to lose their job. When the Bible says, don't. So when we make the rules, we make them in a way where everyone can break them except for us. So the rule is just love people. No. The Bible says Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus, just love people. The Bible says Jesus was called to Israel. He showed up to Israel. And so this is important that we understand that this stuff has rules. And one of the rules is gratitude. Now, here's the cool thing. Back to the tabernacle. The gate, which is thanksgiving, the courtyard, which is praise, and the brass altar, which is forgiveness of sin, those are just the rules everyone has to follow. If you are here for the first time, the first three messages are for you. You can be thankful. You can praise God. You're forgiven of sin. But as we want to progress deeper into the presence of the Lord, deeper into his favor, the rules increase. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So I'm not saying this message based off how much I want you to do. How much do you want? Wow. What do you want God to do? How much do you want? To whom much is given, much is required. The requirements go up. If you're, if you're the CEO of an organization, the requirements go up. Right now, I'm doing, my schedule is crazy because God has called me to two different things. And somebody asked me, how are you doing it? How's the president do it? How's the governor do it? How do they do it? They're all busier than me. How's a single mom do it? I'd rather have two jobs and five kids and no, nobody support me. So how do they do it? They're graced by God to do it. And there's rules. We have to have structure. We have to. So the more that I want God to do, there's more that more he's going to require of me. So I don't want you to listen to this message like, oh, my gosh, there's no grace in this. Yes, there is. God wants to grace you to be able to handle to whom much is given, much is required. Why is this profoundly important? Because the entry level requirement is gratitude. So you can start there. And if you were grateful, you're going to, this is how big and expansive God is, y'all. Yeah. If you were just grateful, you're going to live an amazing life. Mm-hmm. If, if you say the holiness is not for me and I don't want to go behind the veil, I think you're missing out. But to be honest, if you just started with entry-level Christianity is gratitude. Yeah. Entry-level Christianity is gratitude. If you just, if we all just did that, we're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So it's important for you to understand this, but as you look for increase and multiplication, which is what I want to speak over you, I'm speaking increase, I'm speaking multiplication, but I have to, as your pastor, tell you the rules. And one of the rules for multiplication is gratitude. Gratitude is the attitude for multiplication is my third point. Matthew 14, 19, Jesus was uh, involved in a miracle, the five loaves and the two fish. Many of you have heard it. Little boy brought all that he had to a crowd of 15,000, and Jesus had the disciples uh, feed a crowd of 15,000 with only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Matthew 14, 19 says this, that Jesus directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. So he wasn't looking at how much he had. He was looking at the heavens that could give him more. And the Bible says he gave thanks and broke the loaves. So the multiplication happened based off where he was looking and who he was thanking. He thanked God for what he had, and then God multiplied it. If you are believing for increase and not thanking God for what you have, even if all, you got to understand this. Do you know how hard it is to thank God for five loaves and two fish when you have 15,000 people to feed? Our instincts and our humanity go, God, where are you? This is not enough. And there is no record from Jesus telling God it wasn't enough. And it wasn't. It wasn't, but it was. It wasn't, but it was. It wasn't enough, but it was. What made the wasn't a was? Gratitude. And immediately, the wasn't enough became a was enough through the vessel of gratitude. Immediately. Broke it up and it kept breaking. Broke it up and it kept breaking. This is profoundly important. Gratitude is an attitude for multiplication. And the final thing I want to share with you, and this is important because I believe the opposite of gratitude is complaining, and complaining is the enemy of increase. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Complaining is simply translated discontent and ingratitude. Do everything grateful. Do everything grateful. And arguing Um, There's a lot of different definitions of it, but arguing, just to give you that thought, is basically starting a discussion with the entire goal to remain in your initial view of prejudice. So it's having a conversation, but the goal is to not understand, but to be understood. I'm hoping that I can stay in this thought process when I'm talking to you about it, and it creates an argument. But if you're willing to change your perspective with every conversation, then you're not arguing, you're discussing it. So Philippians 2.14 if you look at 1 uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 through 18, and this is where we're going to close, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, in. There's some things I'm not thankful for, but those things I need to be thankful in as I'm in those circumstances. So sometimes if we're not thankful for it, we don't ask God to help us be thankful in it. I'm not thankful for a lot of stuff right now, but I'm thankful in it. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, what's God's purpose or what's God's plan or what's my purpose is one of the number one Google things. One of them is gratitude. Gratitude. And if we go back to the portable tabernacle, which is what, when I say we worship together, together, 
If we are not grateful together, we cannot worship together because gratitude was the very first thing that had to happen. Every single person who came inside the gate of the portable tabernacle would have processed something they were grateful for. Every single person. And so what I'm trying to present to you today um, as I pray for you is I do believe that you can come to our uh, permanent sanctuary, our permanent temple as you are. Come broken, come ungrateful, come hurting, come confused, come with sin, whatever it is. And, and God is going to do something. But I believe in order for us, and that's a place where we can worship together. But I believe in order for us to take hold of what God has for us, the temple that is permanent must be the tabernacle that can be transported. And that is mobile. Simply meaning that big spiritual word is we come to the permanent place to engage with something that can be transported everywhere we go, which is the presence of God. And the permanent place, here, this is so important. You follow the rules in the permanent place. Think about it. If your body's the temple, and that's the temple, I want you to think about this. You, you never pull out a joint and smoke in church, but you'll pull it out in the car and smoke in your body because you have the revelation that that's the temple, but you don't have the revelation that you're the tabernacle in the temple. So when you smoke in your body, you're smoking in church because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's the revelation. So whatever you would do in the building, do in your body and God is like, okay, we'll get there. But if you wouldn't do it in the building, don't do it in your body. Most people would never have sex before marriage in the freaking church. They wouldn't because they think the church is holy. But then when we do it to ourselves, we're like, we're basically saying that the building's more holy than me, which means you set up and that's why God goes crazy in that building, no matter what sin you have, because you set it up that way, that that's the place where God does something. But then if I want him to do it in my life, I have to treat my life like I treat that place. Dang, man, this is, you see what I'm saying? I have to treat my life like I treat that place. There are certain things that we would never Google in that place, but we do it in our home, right? Why? Because we don't, we think that place is the place where God is. And so worshiping God together means that we are able to take the place that is permanent. There is to this day, y'all, to this day, there isn't a temple. To this day, there is not a temple in Jerusalem. The temple that used to, that they used to go to in Jerusalem is now a Muslim temple. There is no temple in Jerusalem. The original temple, it's gone. But the temple, in many ways, where the temple became the tabernacle, the movable presence of God through the body of believers, and that has rules. So I'm just saying to you and I'm presenting to you that the number one rule out the gate that everyone must follow, you may never get to the level where your whole life is cleansed by the word of God. We'll get to that in week five and you can go behind the veil and offer sacrifice to God. You may never get there. But every person who calls himself a believer in Jesus has come through the gate of Jesus with gratitude. Father, will you help someone be grateful today? Somebody's been complaining all week long. Somebody's complaining about their job. Somebody's complaining about their husband or their spouse, their boyfriend or their girlfriend. And yes, there are things that need to be improved on and things that need to be better, but help us be grateful, God. 
Help us to actually acknowledge, God, that you are with us, that you're faithful. Help us to be grateful for salvation. Help Oasis Church, this beautiful church family, worship together by entering the gate of thanksgiving. Father, we are grateful, we love you, and you are a blessing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, I love y'all so much. This is amazing. I'm so excited. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to be jumping into what God is doing through this Bible study on the tabernacle. Share this message message with somebody. I believe it's going to bless them and can't wait to see y'all again next week. I love you, Adeline. You're amazing. Love you guys so much and I'll see you soon.